0: Log TALK RADIO
1: It's that time.
0: We have the people. This is Eric
1: and I'm Lana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we
2: were then.
1: I'm not looking at just
0: this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The NetLive with
3: Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Rouchet. I have great thighs. It's the Net Live right now. I like the open today. Feel good about it? I feel good about it. I like this is Eric Pinonwana. Yes, it will be. It will be. (laughs) Welcome to Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, 18th of November. Boy, 2013 coming to a close here, Jeremy. Yeah. Months and a half to go. Yeah. And we're looking at 2014. Man. We're looking at a completion of five years. Wow. We will be in our sixth starting in January. Assuming that the show continues. <laughs> Assuming that we don't just go off the rails like today's show. Uh, this show is already off the rails. If you've been on the Internet, if you've checked the Facebook page... <laughs> You know that this show is well off the rails already, but it's not, it's not our fault, though. It's not like we created something. We're just passing along something that maybe you missed back in 2008. I just want everybody to know that that's what I walked into this morning. Have you seen this photo? What photo are you talking about, Kevin? This one. And then I saw it. Go to the Facebook page and check it out, and you will learn about Fire in the Hole Six and how a, a couple of individuals are attempting to make ends meet, apparently. It's from the Conan O'Brien show back in 08, and uh, it's good stuff. That's funny stuff. Fire in the Hole Six, like I said, off air. That means there's five other ones. <laughs> well, and, and this is what I said to you. Do you know what – I've seen Fire in the Hole videos – not this kind of video. On YouTube. Not this kind of video. No, different videos. And apparently, they make me laugh like crazy. And I showed them to my kids. I'm not sure it's a great idea. They thought it was funny. <laughs> and I would love to do it. But this fire in the hole, apparently, is so when you go through the drive through You order a large drink or a shake. They give it to you at the drive-thru window. You scream fire in the hole. And you whip it back in the window. <laughs> <sighs> that, uh, that can't be legal. Let's just be honest about it. Fire in the hole! Look it up as all get out. It's what Kevin does when he goes to smoothie game. We're, <laughs> absolutely. If they had a drive-in window, I would. Uh, if you uh, are interested in that kind of humor, stay on the Internet. If you're interested in other kind of humor stay, with, humor, stay with us. We have a good show planned for you today. We have Hall of Famer, Beach Volleyball Hall of Famer. Very cool title there. Eric Fenoy Moana will join us. Of course, 2000 gold medalist. He will join us to talk about gold medals, Hall of Fames, all Things Grand, his Dig for Kids Foundation, as well as Life After Volleyball. Real estate, he's now coaching. Magnet. Can we call him a magnet yet? We'll have to ask him that. Sure. Are you a real estate magnet? <laughs> magnet. <laughs> we'll have the TNL Correspondence Reports. This is something we want to start doing in the future, although this is just as volleyball kind of quiets down. Maybe we can get Reed Pretty to do something from Japan. But we have our TNL Correspondence Reports, Brittany Hochaver, and who is that? Jake Gibb? She was traveling with Jake Gibb and Casey Patterson, yep. It's very, Had to be very, very entertaining dialogue. A heavily edited segment. I wouldn't necessarily say heavily edited. I just I pointed out yesterday that uh, I might auction off the uh, outtakes from said video. Because they're it. pretty good. I love it. So we'll have those correspondent reports for you. We'll also have College Volley Weekly with Deb and Brandon, we hope. And much volleyball discussion and non-volleyball discussion. Sweet. I want to start with a non-volleyball item just because it came to my attention yesterday on my way home from Arizona the second time. I've been on a plane to or from Tucson for the last four days, each of the last four days. I watched Arizona bang down Utah on Thursday, and then they beat up somebody yesterday. Colorado. Yep. 25-10 in the first set. That's not a lot of points. Hey, it was a win for me because I had a 2 o'clock match and a five thirty flight. Nice. <laughs> so going three was good for me, and twenty five ten gets it done. Like I had time to just kind of hang around and talk with people, talk with the coaches. You walk by Smoothie King, gave the bird, Arizona to Jamba Juice. Arizona playing really well right now, and I, I need to mention my rental car down there in the uh, Tucson area. Fantastic lime green Mustang convertible. You got it. Did you? Now, when I saw you post the photo, I just imagined you stepping over the door and sliding in without opening it, or jumping from the trunk into the driver's seat. No opening the door for you at all whatsoever. I should have done that. I was actually pleasantly surprised at the amount of room inside of said Mustang. Because let's be honest, you easily could have just stepped over the door with the top down and got in the car. That's true. Okay. That's true. Fun car. Tried to rip the rear wheels off. I have to say that I'm a little disappointed today because I had a Charger back on Thursday into Friday. I had a Dodge Charger, yep. which is also a fun car. Yep. I have to say, I'm a little disappointed in the use of traction control with modern vehicles now. Because I'm looking to get sideways. <laughs> you can only do that on uh, moto courses, Kevin. Well... It's a rental car. You're not supposed to, uh, unless you watch Days of Thunder. <laughs> You're not supposed to be driving on the beach with your rental car smashing into somebody else. No, I want to get sideways a little bit with these big horsepower vehicles. And nowadays, it is hard to do. They are entirely too good at putting the power to the, to the ground. Yeah, so you don't flip. You're not going to flip. You've been watching too many A-Team episodes. Love the A-Team. <laughs> anyway, I had a lot of fun with that. But on a racing theme, I listened to Donovan McNabb, or I heard the reports of Donovan McNabb, Eagle quarterback, of course, favorite of mine, because he's an Eagle quarterback former. But he's saying that Jimmy Johnson is not an athlete, and race car drivers are not athletes. Jimmy Johnson, who just won his sixth title in eight years? In 12. Well, yes, it's correct. Eight years, but sixth title in his 12-year career. Six titles in the last eight. He would have had five. He would have had six in a row had he won last year, but his car broke in the last event. And gave the victory to Kozlowski. But anyways, he obviously, Donovan McNabb, has never climbed in a vehicle and raced. Not professionally. Or just for fun. Okay, they have a driving school. Something you might enjoy, Jeremy. They have Richard Petty driving experience. Yep, I would do that for sure. Go out to Fontana, racetrack here, two-mile oval. Yep. You can, you can sign up for a couple different things, but your first thing is that you're going to go out and you're going to drive. You're going to be behind a pace car. They have you in your own car. You're behind a pace car, and they'll take you basically as fast as you can handle to, yeah. to their max. I've been to it. But you also get to have a ride with a professional driver. And oh. now race speed is about 190. I would throw up, by the way, in case you're wondering. About 190 down the back stretch. Yep. This guy will take you up to about 165. Which is fast, let's just be honest. It's fast. The car is still kind of yawning. Because but, but, it can go faster. It wants to go 30 faster. 30 more miles an yeah. hour, basically, yeah, yes. yeah. But you'll go up to about 165, and you will feel the G-forces of 165. Mm-hmm. Donovan McNabb, get your butt in a race car. Okay? Climb into a race car, and then talk about doing that, pulling six Gs, For about two hours. And then tell me that guy's not an athlete. I know. Tony Stewart. That's John Kruk. Well, that was the one thing I said. I was like, you hadn't seen how many fat race car drivers are there. And you named one. Almost none. And I can't think of anybody else. Almost none today. They all work out. Definitely not the top drivers. No, it it takes not only the skill. Now, it's a skilled activity. But the endurance that's necessary. The eye-hand coordination. Perhaps it's. Like baseball, and you can call it a skilled activity. We've had that discussion on the show before about golf and baseball in particular. But there are athletes that play baseball. But there's an endurance factor that goes along with driving the car. 100%. And an attention and a focus necessary that's not necessary in other sports. Football, volleyball, the, the attention and focus necessary to be successful on a racetrack over a long period of time is, not, it is more than it is to be a successful volleyball athlete, I think. Mentally focused the entire time. There is never a moment where you can take a breath. Volleyball, you've got a million moments to take a breath in between Correct. a Correct. And and, fo- and refocus. You're not losing your focus, but you're not you're not intent. You don't have to be intent. Yeah. The same way you have to be in racing. So Donovan McNabb, climb into a car and figure it out, buddy. I've done it. I've climbed into cars. I ride. I've done it. I have a keen understanding of how incredibly challenging it is. Did he say why he? didn't consider them athletes? I have to do more research. Okay. I, just, I read the quote on the way home last night, and I've been hearing a lot about this uh, FS1 show with Andy Roddick and Don McNabb and these guys kind of talking out their arses. Well, they could, I mean, just to get people talking about it like we are right now. They could be saying things just sure like that. Sure, but the thing that discourages me, and, and I would like to see, look, if you put me on that show or you put me in a, in a, in a type of show, an opinion show like that, I want to go out and do these things. Let's go do it. I guarantee McNabb's never been in a race car. I guarantee he's never gotten a, uh, thrown a leg over a dirt bike in any real fashion. <laughs> you know, go, was just, go it, do it. You had me visualize Donovan McNabb throwing a leg over a dirt bike, <laughs> and I, I visualized it slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't pretty. You've got to go do these things before you go passing judgment on them. You know, go sit and play poker in a poker room. For like four hours, and then imagine doing it for ten hours a day for five days. Nope. Ugh. Barf. Yeah. But go do these things, Donovan. You're retired. You got millions of dollars. You have nothing else to do. Is your mom really? still makes you Campbell soup. You don't <laughs> have to make your own lunch. Get out there and go do some of these things. <laughs> then come in and talk about it. I don't just talk out your arse. So Donovan McNabb, you're on my hit list right now. Kevin Bitter, NASCAR drivers are athletes. Yeah, I mean, are, are they athletes like basketball guys are athletes? No. They're athletes. Are they athletes like football guys are athletes? No. Do Does lifting weights, running, doing CrossFit, those kinds of things, does that benefit you as a race car driver, will make you a better race car driver? Absolutely. Not even Not only just the drivers, but their pit crews and stuff too. Yeah, those guys are gnarly. Oh, yeah. Real gnarly. Yeah, you saw it close up. Yeah, oh yeah, like literally close up. Yeah, like I was sitting on top of them. All those guys are ex-football, ex-wrestlers, because yeah. oh, ex- yeah. you got to have some beef yep. to throw those tires around. Mm-hmm. Those guys are gnarly, no doubt. Let's get back to some gnarly volleyball players. Are we do this is a volleyball show. USA women's team silver medal, Grand Champions Cup. Congratulations, good ladies. Good job. Good job. Good job. Congratulations. Lost to Brazil first match. Can't be good. Ah, Brazil eventual champion. Yep. So it's still the same, USA and Brazil. That's the battle. That's the battle that's been for the last, what, eight years. USA-Brazil. Since the gold medal match of 2008, where the USA women were kind of a revelation, kind of a surprise. And those that don't know, they struggled against some very inferior teams. I think one of which may have been Venezuela or Dominican Republic or whatever. I mean, it's years ago now. But they struggled early in that tournament in '08. They basically peaked at exactly the right time. They got through Italy, devastated Cuba in a rematch, and then went to, and that got them into the final yep. where they played Brazil. Where Brazil was a heavy favorite. And they won. And of course, the American women, four years later, much improved, best team in the world, played the tournament ten times, they win it nine. Yep. Brazil caught the one. Yep. And won the gold medal again. So it comes down to a year later, Grand Champions Cup, once again, USA-Brazil. Now this is Similar to uh, World Cup, where you will play each team once, and then you're done. There's no playoff. Yeah, playoffs. wow, playoff. So you just play once. So the United States lost to Brazil right off the bat. Two due sets to start it. Oh, 26-24, 26-24. I think it was 25-20 in the third. USA Women would rebound and beat everybody else, finish second. I, I thought it was kind of funny. Captain Kristen Hildebrandt quoted on the USAB website. she uh, She's at a press conference. Congratulating the Dominican Republic. They're really a great team. You beat them like 14-16. <laughs> then you lost your focus and lost 21. Then you came back and beat them 18. What is she supposed to say? Yeah, they really suck. We dominated We, cru- the third we, we crushed them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I get it, but she's just supposed to walk up there and be like, you know what? <laughs> I know, I they're sitting there right next to her, too. She said this. I dominated. Yeah, that's what she should say. Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever. You crushed them. Just, we'll say it here. Since you guys can't say it in front of them in Japan at the press conference, we'll say it here. You crushed the Dominican Republic. Crushed them. Crushed them. So congratulations, USA women, on a silver medal. We celebrate silver medals here. I'm still, I'm still hoping for gold for them eventually, but we celebrate silver medals here on The Net Live, and I wish them congratulations. I celebrate all medals. Okay. So are they done now? That's it for them, right? That's it. That's the They're of the off season. to their uh, prospective um, pro teams, right? Well, not off. Back to. Back to, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They everyone has been, and then they come back together for this tournament, and so they will go back to where they were. And actually, a kind of a scary note for those that follow the news: a airliner in Russia crashed in Kazan. Uh-huh. Yeah. Second approach, uh, crashed into the runway. All 44 people aboard are killed. I think it was 44 and 6 crew, or the 6 crew was included in that. But those that follow volleyball know that Reed Pretty, David Lee, I believe uh, Matt Anderson as well, have played in Kazan. Yep. And Matt might even be there this year. Luckily, no athletes, no uh, USA or otherwise, have been reported to be on the plane. No teams. That's good. So good for them. But it's a scary situation flying in Russia. There are more crashes than here, for sure. It's still a small number, yeah. but there are more crashes. And a lot of the planes are real old. And and guys, even from the 80s to today, have told gnarly stories about planes. Lovely. And the condition of the planes that are being put in the air. They don't have the the regulations we have, is that what you're trying to say? I don't think they have the same regulations and and stuff. I mean, obviously, the, the safety record is not as good. But good for the United States athletes and athletes in the the yeah. Russian league, that yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. has happened. I'm, yeah. I am actually surprised with the number of teams between all sports Yeah. yeah, yeah. in most of these countries, all of Europe, uh, and the amount of travel they do via bus, the amount of travel that goes on, air travel, that, that something like this doesn't happen more often. It was, uh, it was the USA Gymnastics or USA Boxing. I can't remember. There's a memorial outside the Olympic Training Center memorializing a team that was killed in a plane mm-hmm. crash in Europe I believe in the late 70s perhaps. I have to look this up, but it's an interesting thing that happened there. Of course, there's the, the Marshall team that they, they made the movie about. Yep. Uh, there's, I think it's Oklahoma State basketball. Was it Oklahoma State basketball a couple of years ago? Basketball or football? Basketball. I think it was, it was Oklahoma I think it was State. basketball. Um, but of course, athletes dying and coaches dying in a plane crash there, a small plane crash Yeah. after a game. Uh, With the amount of travel that that folks do, myself as an athlete, myself as a broadcaster now, all broadcasters throughout the United States, it's it's remarkable that you don't have that happen more often or come that close more often. So, um, unfortunate incident there in Kazan, and and good thing that there were no athletes involved of of any country. The United States had this year 251 transfers. Of volleyball athletes. Meaning? 251 athletes are playing overseas this year. You're playing oh, professional gotcha. volleyball overseas. This is important for players to know, players at a lot of levels, to know it's not just the six or eight people you hear about or the 12 people from the national team on either side that go. That's only 24 to 30 for each team, right? So that that's not even half the total of athletes that are going. It's barely Is a third. that it's number even, up or down? It's not even a third. Uh, I think that's about right. I don't, I don't really know historically. Gotcha. But that's, the national team accounts for less than a third of those transfers. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, of course. I mean, think about all the volleyball players that are out there. Yeah, but I don't think people in the U.S. know that there are all these opportunities to play professionally. Europe, Asia, South America, mm. men and women. These opportunities are out there. They're they're out there for the for the taking. People need to know that. So the USA women take silver. Yep. USA men are getting ready. Play will start shortly for the USA men. Yeah, didn't read email us from some other country. He did. I didn't even know he was gone. But he is. <laughs> the competition will start tomorrow. They'll play Japan. Mm-hmm. Head coach of Japan who is Gary Sato. Yep, had him on the show. Friend of the show. Gary Sato. I do not want to say his name wrong. So that's going to be awesome. Sato. Sato. So Gary Sato will play. Team looks about like I would expect. Matt Anderson, Sean Rooney, David Lee, Paul Lottman, Kavika Shoji, Reed Pretty, Troy Murphy, not Murphy Troy. No, Murphy Troy, not Troy Murphy. Oh, geez. Now everybody's confused. Murphy Troy, Micah Christensen, Futi Tavana, Jeff Menzel, Carson Clark, Max Holt, Eric Shoji, Dave Smith. Couple surprises in there. Menzel, Tavana, and I think that's about it. And surprises, why to you? Menzel we didn't see really on the national team. He's playing for Nolico Mosaic this year in Belgium, Mm -hmm. one of my former clubs. I hope he's having a great time, and they're feeding him bananas. Because that was their thing, like on Fridays, they come with a bunch of bananas. You have to eat these boys for the weekend to be ready. Like that's a treat. Yeah, It's here supposed get, to be here, good for you. Here you go. Here's some potassium. That and lots of bicep curls. I don't know. So Jeff Menzel, no doubt a high-flying guy, physical athlete, 6'6", Santa Barbara, outside hitter. So uh-huh. I'm interested to see if he gets any time. Okay. Kuti Tavana, middle blocker out of Hawaii and BYU. I haven't really seen him. He went to the qualification event. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't really seen him. One interesting thing, they're keeping 14 on the roster for the event, which means they have to designate two liberos. Okay. And Paul Lottman has been designated libero number two. Interesting. Very interesting. Lottman has always been characterized as a passer. Yeah. And defender. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's his new role. I don't know. Why not? But Sean Rooney healthy again. Good to see him healthy. Max Holt, I'll be interested to see how much time Max Holt can get in the middle. And we'll see how this, uh, this opposite situation continues to shake out. Carson Clark and Murphy Troy. Will Matt Anderson end up in that position? Perhaps. Who are your starting outside hitters? Reed Pretty, Matt Anderson. Well, is it Reed Pretty and Sean Rooney? You put Matt Anderson at opposite, like we saw at North Acres. Yeah. We will see. You probably put them wherever you want at this point, right? It'll be an interesting follow. Yeah, you just make sure Matt Anderson's on the floor. So they're in Japan right now for what? For Grand Champions Cup. Oh, okay. Grand Yeah, Champions for Cup. the event. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. So good shot. I saw a cool picture of the men's staff out in Shibuya, in Shibuya. Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And they were having a nice dinner. So John Spraw, Andrea Becker, Anton Willard, Matt Furbringer, Mike Wall, Gary Moy, Tim Palau. Palau? I don't know. Can Tim's name right exactly. Aaron Brock and Andrew Gregory a doc out of Nashville. So good luck to the USA men, and you can follow them, uh, USAB, we'll be checking it out there. 7.10 p.m. local time tomorrow, that would be 6.10 p.m. here, because it's probably give the, let's see, not the Pacific time, 2.10 a.m. Pacific time, there it is. So 7.10 local in Japan, 2.10 a.m. Pacific Tuesday. So that's coming up in just a few hours. I will not be staying up for that one. <laughs> <Are> you sure? <laughs> just, Sorry, I'm a fan of the men's team, but I will not be staying up. Sorry, guys. So uh, it says watch on TV. I'm interested to see what this link, where this link takes me. Fire in the hole. Oh, it's Bn Sports. Interesting. Wonder who they
0: hired. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Subtle, huh? Hmm. Hmm. in hmm. Sports.
3: Check that out. Not at two in the morning. Not at two in the morning. That's right. I will not be watching at two in the morning. Actually, I, I know I we get the in sport. I'm pretty sure. I watched it this last year. They were showing a one from Italy. Yeah. Some professional stuff. Yep. Whew. I don't know who they hired, but uh, they need to get Mark Sherman or something because he'd be a lot better than whoever was on. They need to hire the the new guy upcoming. We got Fenoy coming up, don't we? Yep. All right take a short break cool here on the net live we'll have eric finoy moana coming up after the break we'll also have our tnl correspondent reports as well as college volleyball weekly can't wait thanks bart scott (laughs) we'll be right back I feel: Yes. Uh, I was laughing because uh, when you're ready to come back on the show, you have your headphones on, and mine were, was off one of my ears, and you yell at me. All right. <laughs> like, as loud as you can. Like, your neighbors can probably hear you, and I'm just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a really good album, by the way. It is a good album. Yeah. You're it's, welcome. It's you're welcome. One that flows well. I yeah. was listening to it last night for a little bit, and it flows very well. And, and I was jumping in at, like, song 10 or something. I thought, you know, this is better if I listen to the whole thing. Like, song 10 is better if I've gone 1 through 9. It literally is, uh, and this doesn't happen for me that much anymore. I can't speak for everybody, but it is one of those albums where you could start it from song 1 and just let it play. And that's how I refer to good albums. It's a let it play. You just hit play, and when it's over, it's over. You don't need to skip ahead. You don't need to do anything. Coldplay's like that. You 2 used to put out albums somewhat like that, but then they got, I don't know, towards the end I got off off on them. They just... Didn't work for you. You'd have like a couple of really out there songs that didn't mesh. Yeah. I think of experiential albums. I think like Queensryche would construct it like a rock opera back in the day. It was designed to all go together and tell a story. Styx used to do that. Yeah. Well, you realize like... Styx was one of the ultimate ones. Music industry is different. Some artists, like whether you like him and or his music or not, Kanye West's last album is a piece of art from beginning to end, like the way that he structured it is meant mm-hmm. to go that way. Um, a lot of artists don't do that. Like, it's just... They don't have that much talent. Correct. or <laughs> they have a lot of talent to do that. Or they're not the type of artists where they can do that. They're just a straight pop artists where they're like, okay, I'm just going to make individual pop songs, and you just throw it on an album. It's not really cohesive. What stories do Katy Perry's albums tell? Exactly. <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, that's, that's her role. She makes... Like her, Top her album didn't really sell that well, but the singles sold a lot. Oh, I'm sure roar. I mean, roar's been everywhere. Correct. Unless you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, where they played it when the team took the field, and the fans wrote to the team and said, "Do not play that song ever again. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. That does not get us fired up for the team to take the field. Brandon Rosenthal's team at Lipscomb gets fired up when you play roar. That's their. That's their jam. Are they girls? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think burly football players getting excited about Katy Perry. Just saying. Not in the singing context. The Cincinnati Bengals aren't in the tunnel pogoing to uh, Katy Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Solo pogo, everybody. Let's go. But what if they were? Then that would would be a YouTube sensation.
0: That would be awesome.
3: Speaking of YouTube sensations, have you seen the Jean-Claude Van Damme video? Did you watch that one? You know, something about seeing him do the splits is not really appeasing to me and i've i know what's happening in the car commercial so i don't need to see it i like the artistry of it the thought behind it i thought it was kind of cool it's impressive they get the sun behind it they get the the golden trucks going backwards or whatever and yeah, that looks him cool then yeah. doing the splits because the trucks like slide apart to make him do the splits right it's, it's gnarly it's a gnarly stunt i mean i remember him from the 80s he could do the split those splits in the 80s too so it's i don't it's nothing new for me he's 50 something years old and he can still do the splits I, I can't do this, but... Do, do it right now. I, I, I literally could not. <laughs> Nor could I. I can barely sit on the ground with my legs in front of me and touch my toes without my body hurting. Seriously? I've never been... You've got to loosen up, Jeremy. Even as a kid, like when you do those... Uh, oh, I never, sit and reach? I never, I never got the certificate because I couldn't pass the stretching part of the thing. Like, I dominated everything else. But I couldn't do that; it was driving me crazy. Okay, so the presidential physical fitness test, which everyone of a certain age has taken, I think they still do it. I dominated everything except for that. You could do the pull-ups. I could do everything. You were a little powerful. I don't like you. You were a tiny little powerful, (laughs) powerful monkey. The fifty-seven pounds of that I was from age ten to uh, (laughs) eighteen. Yeah. (laughs) I always hated you guys. There was a guy, Mike Grinella, who actually got inducted into my high school hall of fame with me Mm because he was an incredible wrestler. I remember watching him in, like, junior year do, I don't know, 18 pull-ups or something. Yeah. I couldn't do one. Pull-ups are not easy. No, they're not easy, especially when you've grown, like, six inches in the last five months. And and they're like, do a pull-up. You're like, I can't. Dude, I'm six, six and we have buck seventy. I like when people would jump on there, and sometimes it was the girls. They would hang there for about three seconds and let go. Like no attempt to pull up at all whatsoever. They I didn't know. have to do pull ups so they had to do the hang. Remember, they put them over the bar,
1: and oh, they just, and just had to hang. There.
3: Right, it was the hold. They that could be difficult, too. They did not require the women to do. My good friend is on right now. All right. Do you want to intro. Yeah, let's get to it. I think you have special music selected. I I see, I I was hearing you earlier. I'm going to play it afterwards. Getting ready for the show. I'm going to play that one afterwards. Okay. All right, so you got different music on the way in? Yeah, yeah. Just feel it. Now this, this, the Bengals might pogo too. Yeah. This guy's got 15 career victories spanning 10 years of beach volleyball. More than a million dollars in career earnings. A pinnacle moment in 2000 where he took home the gold medal at Bondi Beach in Australia with Dane Blanton. Subsequently founded the Dig for Kids Foundation, dedicated to helping kids achieve academic success and learn the sport of volleyball. He's the 2002 AVP MVP and now the 2013 CBVA Hall of Fame inductee, Beach Volleyball Hall of Famer, Eric Fanoi Eric, you there?
2: I'm here. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, we got you. Hey, thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to spend with us here this morning. I wonder, now that you've had time to kind of reflect on being a Hall of Famer, do you find it remarkable that that's now attached to your name forever?
2: Um, God, I don't really think about it too much, but it's just nice to be recognized, um, you know, for all the stuff and. Hard work and dedicated to a sport. Um, it's just it's nice to be put up there with the other legends, guys that you uh, watched, wanted to be like, wanted to be part of the gladiators, if you will, of of the sport. And um, you know, it's enjoyable. It's pretty, now at this point, it's more for my kids. It's kind of like, wow, your dad was <laughs> your dad used to play, used to be an athlete. <laughs> Bragging rights
3: yeah. for your kids. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, Eric, yeah. speaking, of, speaking of legends, you had uh, Tim Hovland um, induct you into the Hall of Fame. How did that come about? Because I think that's a brilliant, uh, everybody should have Hov <laughs> inducted into the Hall, Hall of Fame. Move. Yeah,
4: exactly.
2: <laughs> well, there's a couple of things in the Hov. I obviously grew up in the area with him and watched him and observed how he was and just... Um, Wanted to be like the Hobbs, and then Mike Don as well. Those are two guys that I idolized, and you know I wanted to have um, the Hobbs, the fireness, and, and the ability to never quit and uh, uh, give everything you got on center court or any court. And then Mike Don is simply he's he's the, probably one of the best defensive players, and consistent, and very well mannered, and um, just you know has a very complete game and can handle a guy like the Hobbs. Um, so I, I chose one of those guys and I chose Tim to kind of introduce me and it was just, uh, his effort, his effort in a sense to go out and talk to other people and try to get facts straight and the excitement that he had to try to do a good job. Uh, that was awesome. So it was, you know, a good, good option for me and I'm glad, uh, he took it so serious.
3: Eric, one of the things about your career I noticed is you won with five different partners. Was there a partner that fit your game the best?
2: Well, I I mean, Dax and Dane. Dax and Dane, as far as Dax, he was a very well-complete player. Um, You know, he worked hard. I knew how consistent he was. And we gelled right at the beginning. Dane... The thing about Dane is when we are a fiery team or a very, uh, um, let's say, a very consistent uh, team during the tournament or we had a lot of momentum going our way, we are extremely tough to beat. Um, so both of those partners pretty much brought the best out of, out of my game.
3: You know, you and Dane had that incredible run in 2000. Did you guys surprise yourselves? At all in that tournament? Because I think for a lot of people you were under the radar going in for sure.
2: Yeah, I would say we surprised a little bit of ourselves, but we knew what we were capable of. The teams that we played, uh, we do play them tough. Um, we've beat them before, except the Brazilians. Uh, but we've played you know plenty of Brazilians in our career, and we've been to Brazil, uh, I think I've been down there 20-something times. So very familiar with the Brazilians and their game, and one thing with the Olympics is we knew how much pressure that the Brazilians were on. You know, They had to win. We didn't have to win. So with that said, we kind of took that as, a, as an opportunity.
3: Very cool. Yeah, I think it's interesting the pressures that the Brazilians are under with the, the space that their sport occupies. Uh, so they have a lot of benefits to that, in, in their visibility in the in their country, but you think that maybe has some detractors to to the game or some extra stuff they have to deal with.
2: Yeah, when it comes to the Olympics, yeah, they got extra pressure, um, unnecessary pressure. The Olympics should be a showcase of your you know your ability and how to play, not how much pressure your country. I mean, it's a whole country that you're representing, so that that's a little different, but. Um, it just seems, you know, rare. It just seems like the Americans um, seem to you know, embrace the pressure as opposed to other countries seem to kind of, uh, they falter, especially the Brazilians.
3: Okay, so you and, you and Dane win in 2000. Come 2004, Dane is back in the Olympics, but he's there with Jeff Nygaard, and you're winning a tournament that year with Mike Lambert. Why didn't you and Dane come back for that 2004 Olympic Games?
2: The game has changed quite a bit. We didn't go 2004 because the guys are getting bigger, and Dane and I are still the same size at six three on a smaller court. Um, the court changed since 2000 uh, by almost a meter, and that's a big deal when you have two small guys at six three going against, you know, guys, I maybe mean two big guys on one court at six eight, six nine, uh, maybe six ten. You know, it becomes very challenging at that height you need someone to you know block the big guys and if you they go 50 50 they're going to hit ot over us.
3: Hey, eric i noticed towards the end of your career you never really took on a up-and-coming younger volleyball ball player was there a reason for that like you didn't have the patience to teach the young guy how to play or what was the reasoning behind that
2: well i a couple of things. The young guys didn't really think that way. They they didn't think, hey, you know what, I'll get Eric, and then he'll teach me the game. The young guys were going to go play with other young guys. Um, and when I wasn't getting the finishes, that didn't help with my decision either. You know, I didn't I didn't play the game to get ninth place or seventh place. I played to win, and so if I didn't have a chance to win, um, it didn't really interest me as much anymore, and uh, my body was starting to break down, and getting a, a seventh place was like, whoopee. Uh, I'm not here to hang out and watch uh, other guys try to win. I came to try to win. If that wasn't the case, then it's time to get a real job.
3: Yeah, I mean, we mentioned the million dollars in prize money, which is a fun number, but, hey, it's over 10 years which means you still have to have a real job at the end. Tell tell, us through the process of retirement and your decision to get into real estate. Is that something that you were interested in before?
2: Uh, Well, my mom was in real estate, so that's something of definitely interest as a kid. Um, And also, you know, my mom was a a charity um, person as well. She worked for quite a few different charities. So I guess (laughs) I fell right into my mom's footsteps, but, um, you know, again, it's, I do like doing real estate. It's more of when it came down to that end and I was finishing poorly, it was time to start thinking about what am I going to do in the future. And before I was even finished on tour, I was studying to be a realtor, and I was on airplanes flying, and I was studying, uh, you know, what it's going to take to be one and uh, getting prepared to take the test as well.
3: All right, so what's your mom into now? What can we expect the next part of your career to look like?
2: Uh, well, my mom passed away when I was extremely young, and, and my dad as well, so 18, and uh, my mom passed away when I was 18, and my dad at 28, so unfortunately, they're not around, but next to my career is just too, um, and, you know, weird is I'm back in volleyball, the, uh, besides doing real estate, I will coach the next generation of college athletes who are going to focus on beach volleyball only
3: okay tell me about that with beach volleyball only can you encourage athletes to do that now given the current state of the game and what's your feeling about the current state of the game
2: well i think the current state of the game the best thing is the women the women have all this opportunity they get an opportunity to go to college at the school that they want to and and play beach volleyball which is in my opinion that's a dream job that's a uh, you know, something that they should be extremely excited and thankful of for that opportunity. Um, and then as far as the men, there's not much. You know, I hope the women take off so the, women, the men could possibly do a club sport at their school and use probably the same courts. Uh, but the women, in my opinion, are going to carry us for a long time. Uh, and the men, after this new this run of Brazil, after that, I see the men's sport kind of faltering for a while unless something happens on the Pro Tour.
3: Any thoughts on the future of it for the United States? How much have you followed the, the re-rise of the ABP? Have you been involved at all with the NVL? What, uh, what, what's been just your thought on the condition of the sport since 2010?
2: Domestically. Hmm. Well, we're in dire straits. I mean, it's I think if we got some sponsor or some group that would really put in some funding behind it, um, then we can be back. But I think that uh, until that happens, you know, until the AVP starts to continue to grow with more real tournaments, uh, meaning with real prize money to, you know, real prize money in a sense that people can make a living, uh, enough people, you know, not two or three people making a living or four making a living. It's more like 20, Uh, And the other one is those sponsors, uh, clothing sponsors, need to come back or some type of sponsors for those athletes to, again, make a a full-time job commitment on it and not have to do all these other part-time jobs.
3: Eric, um, we were talking a little bit before about you getting back into coaching and stuff like that. If people want to reach out to you to do that, how do they do that?
2: Um, Gosh. They can, uh, well, we're on the line, we're on internet, so it's Elite Beach Volleyball.
0: Okay.
2: Um, I'm doing a club team with Holly, and it's in the South Bay. Uh, we do currently have quite a big squad already. There's about 30 girls on there, uh, and 15, maybe 16 now have committed to D1 schools, uh, which is really exciting. So we got a, a good jump on uh, the best South Bay girls who are going to college and our job, Holly and I, are uh, preparing to contribute once they get in there and not have to learn something. So uh, we definitely have a good coaching staff right off the beginning, probably better than a lot of colleges can offer for a long time. But we're friendly to all the universities, and I think that's what they appreciate.
3: This sounds like vertical integration to me with your Dig for Kids Foundation where you're starting to expose younger kids uh, through education but also to volleyball, and maybe that feeds into their opportunity to, uh, to join you later and play on your beach club.
2: Yeah, I'd love for some of those inner-city kids to have that opportunity, and Dig for Kids will be a part of it because um, part of the elite beach volleyball is we want them to give back. Uh, I, that's a big, important part for me because I give back so much. Um, they're gonna, we're gonna put projects out there, and the girls will have to be a part of it uh, to be part of the club. Uh, and then hopefully, if someone cannot afford that, Dig for Kids will be able to jump in and, you know, help with uh, those, you know, specific individuals to be a part of the club so they have the same opportunities. But that would be a huge story, is someone uh, couldn't afford it. And then all of a sudden, Dig for Kids gives them a the scholarship, and they actually go get their own scholarship. That would be a, you know, a dream, another dream come true for me.
3: You mentioned that your mom's philanthropy was kind of an inspiration for your philanthropy with Dig for Kids. Take us for for our listeners that don't know through the the generation of the, the process of starting Dig for Kids.
2: Um, I mean. I, <laughs> You really want to do something, and it takes some time and, and money. It's um, you gotta get a lawyer. You gotta understand what all the nonprofit, um, you know, paperwork. And uh, once you get the paperwork done, it's not guaranteed you're actually gonna get a nonprofit status. Um, so you gotta apply for that nonprofit status, and then you gotta continue to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, until you know, you either quit or you cancel it, or uh, or they, get, they they take it away for some reason.
3: Very good. Well, Eric Fernando, congratulations on your induction to the CBVA Hall of Fame. And before we let you go, I need to know your favorite Caddyshack quote, since it's still listed as your favorite movie.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still have that as my favorite movie. A, um, according to BBVA, oh, which is impossible yeah. here, yeah. yeah. It's still in there. I guess my memory is not so good. <laughs> right, we, might have
3: to, we might have to update your update your movie title.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're all gonna update right, my movie. Sure I think I'm from on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's probably some kids' movie. Yeah, yeah. SpongeBob quote. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. Well, congratulations, Eric. Good luck in the future, and uh, we'll look forward to checking in with you another time.
2: All right. Sounds good.
3: All right, Eric Fonamawana Beach Volleyball Hall of Famer checking in here on the Net Live and uh good to hear from him. You know what I liked about his uh Hall of Fame speech was I know I bring this up a lot, but I was at his fortieth birthday when they did like a highlight video of him and it was over and his speech was like it's like, Well, it's been a good run. Like that was it. Like he was ready to go out to the pastures, like we'll never see him again. Um but at the Hall of Fame speech, like he was very reflective on it and uh didn't have the depressive sound like, oh, my life is over now, <laughs> like he did at his 40th birthday party. Um, but I thought a really cool moment was towards the end, Eric, uh, he's always talking about dreams, and like he, he had an older sister that was in the Olympics as a swimmer. Yeah, in 1976. Told his dad, he was like seven. he's like, I want to be an Olympian as well. And he was seven years old and basically made it to the Olympics 20, 30 years, whatever it was later and uh, won a gold medal, but like at the end of his speech, he was telling everybody, like, just always dream big, because you never know what will happen. And then there was a pause, and everybody was like, oh, what's he going to say now? And he just pulled out the gold medal. And that's <laughs> how you end your Hall of Fame speech. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really good. So parents must have been older then. If, yeah, if Eric His sister, is, who was in the Olympics in 76... Eric's either the youngest or one of the youngest. of. He has a lot of older siblings. He had to be older. And, he well, older he had, sibling. I think, according to their he had... Four siblings or something, or and maybe I think five. And I think they're all older. I believe. Yeah, much older. I w- it would be my guess then. Unfortunate moment for me asking about his mom. It's and okay, didn't know his mom was dead. Sure. Right. But people did it to me too. My father passed away in 01. It happens. Yep. It happens. Hopefully, they were a little older than my father, who went at 56. Dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dude, I told him too. Like, you don't look good. And I, I told my mom a few months before. Like, my father—he does not look good. Yeah. And sure enough, three months later, that was it. Happens. Um, I I did enjoy the Hall of Fame. It was on Friday. I was there. Matt Garhoff was there. There was probably a couple hundred, few hundred people there at least. It was a good amount of people. I was a little, and now granted, I don't think the word has gotten out as much yet. This is only the third annual. Um, I was a little disappointed in there wasn't as many younger generation current volleyball players there. Hmm. There was a lot of, uh, like, Butch May was there, Akitabu was there, Mike Dodd was there, his wife was being inducted, obviously the Hav. Um, some fans and stuff were there, too. So it was uh, it was a good turnout, and I hope that it builds in some of these younger generations. Because just being there for the stories that these players told, yeah. that's the best part for me.
1: Because
3: like, even Fenoy told a story that I hadn't heard before, and I've known Fenoy for 10-plus years. And uh, so just hearing stuff like that, I think, is very entertaining. Where was it held? It was at the Hermosa Beach Civic Center. That I've okay. driven by nine million times. Right there on pier, has never ever been in it before. You hadn't gone in for like not, the production of the not one time ever. Joseph and the technical college <laughs> coach. Yes, coat? I had not. Not one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's take a short break. Cool. We're going to be back with College of Volleyball Weekly. We're going to have Deb. Brandon claims he has a recruit on campus well, like that matters to me. whatever yeah okay exactly. can, they can't be on the show is that against NCAA regulations? No, he can be on the show he's No, just, can the he's, recruit be on the show no the recruit cannot be on the show uh, that okay. would in fact be an NCAA violation gotcha, but we're gonna we're gonna browbeat him until he shows up on the program <laughs> and we have some uh great footage footage audio from Brittany Hochaber and Jacob. that's coming up That's no, it's great. the net live.
0: Your chest. You can beat the world. You can beat the war. You can talk to guy go banging on his door. You can throw your hair up. You can beat the clock. Yeah. You can move a mountain. You can break rocks. You can be a master. Don't wait for luck. Dedicate yourself and you can find yourself.
2: You can walk straight through hell with a smile You could be the hero, you can go Breaking all the
0: records they thought never could be wrong come back. We're back.
3: We're Let's come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for taking your headset off and yelling at me that time. <laughs> <laughs> Except I had unmuted you before you said it. Thanks to Eric for taking some time out to come on the program here. Always good to hear from some of the, the people who've gotten it done in this sport. I remember he was, he was a new guy at UC Santa Barbara at the time I moved out here, too, and played at Marine Street and, and played on the other courts. Played on the green court? Apparently it was green court, according to Hav. The orange court was the main court. Okay. That Hav and then would show up at 10 o'clock and ask people what the score of their last match was. Oh, I don't remember that. And he was talking about the time that Fenoy used to, like, they would all leave the court, and then one time Fenoy stayed. Hobb asked what the final score was, and he's like, "No, nope, I'm ready to play you now. <sighs> yeah, it's impressive. I love it. No, even when I was younger, I would, uh, I would tell somebody that, yeah, this is my, you're going to have to play me for my court. Yeah, of course. I remember my brother's bachelor party. We went down to 16th Street, and we were playing at 16th Street. And, of course, all those guys come rumbling out Yeah, because it's their courts. Allegedly. Said, hey, that's fine. Yeah, beat me and you can have it. <laughs> my brother and Akatebi going head, just head-to-head. Head. Nice. It was awesome. My knees were already wrecked. I couldn't do it anymore, but my brother, he could still jump. He was after it. Hav uh, gave a funny intro. He was talking about... Uh... When him and Fennoy played together, and then Hav, for whatever reason, couldn't play in a tournament, so Fenoy and Ak played, and that was Fenoy's first they won. victory. Mm-hmm. And Hav said he was watching it on TV, not necessarily rooting against them, but wasn't rooting for them to win. <laughs> He's like, but then the next week, Ak, I think, uh, I think it was Sinjin who called up Ak because Karch couldn't play. And so uh, Hav called Finnoi and said, just so you know, you've been dumped, and you and I are playing in whatever the tournament was next. And he said, uh, then fate would have it, that they ended up playing Ak and Sinjin, and they won, and he gave Ak during the speech. He said, suck on that, (laughs) Ak. It was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, seriously, Hav should intro everybody into the Hall of Fame. That is fantastic. Everyone, Uh, I've got Hav's number. We're going to do a Legends one like we did with Sinjin with Hav. Hav said uh, he was talking about something, and he's like, yeah, that was in the 80s. You know, the decade I love and still live in. <laughs> uh, good times. Hey, we have a new follower on Twitter who we're going to get on this show. Oh, yeah. Gabby Reese. You were super stoked about that. Well, you know. Should she you reach is, out to her or somehow she found us? She found us. That's love not it. me. That's just Gabby finding us. Love it. Our high-profile program. We are high-profile, so Kim. We will have Gabby. And as you said, feel free to invite her for an in-studio appearance. Yeah, shouldn't I? Yeah. First time on the show, you should come into the come into the studio. 100. percent Yep. So we will ask Gabby Reese if she's going to be out of Hawaii and away from her uh, Mister Do Everything, Laird Hamilton. Or are they not together now? Am I going to screw? No, no. There. I, I, I don't okay. know. I what. wonder what happened to the golf thing. That's what I want to know with her. Yeah, she was going to do like a year become a professional golfer. Had sponsors, got TV, the whole deal. I wonder whatever happened. Well, I never saw the resolution to it. Guess How well? Did guess she we'll do? guess we'll ask her when she comes on the show. We'll have to ask her. Yep. So, how's that golf thing working out, right? Well, not that. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Come on, I've got to be nicer than that. I remember meeting her in 92. I was 18. No, 91. I was uh, 17. Mm -hmm. Out here for the summer at a beach volleyball tournament. Got an opportunity to get introduced to Gabby Reese just for a second. I was like, whoa, cool. (laughs) Gabby Reese. Dude. People still occasionally ask if she's still playing on tour. Well, and uh, we went through this before when we were talking about the whole Karch thing and said, well, who's the other athlete that most frequently gets named if you ask Gabby. about a beach volleyball player? It is Gabby Reese. She, well, she has a high profile, let's be honest. Yeah, she The Big Girl in the Middle was her book. She was uh, one of the first, and maybe maybe the first, yeah, from our sport, yeah, to access media In in, in the true multimedia way, and this is before, of course, YouTube and social media and everything else, when it was easy, she was the first one to really cross over and do it well. She only played person, though, didn't she? She never played doubles. Right, right. But the thing about her, she was extremely attractive, engaging, well-spoken. She she had the book thing going. She had the celebrity thing going. Yeah. She she put together a of real yeah, media yeah, yeah. package oh, yeah. for people to pay attention to. And she actually was a pretty good athlete. Let's just be honest. She's a good athlete. Yeah. Was she a great volleyball player? No, she wasn't a great volleyball player. But she was she great for the for the four woman tour. Yeah, she was great for the four woman tour to bring visibility to that tour. Of course. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll get Gabby on here just to talk about stuff. Because again, like like some of the folks we've talked to, she lived that history. That we hear about, right? Of I wasn't course. on the four-woman tour. I was 17 when that was around. <laughs> Luckily. Luckily. Or, you know, things have changed for you dramatically. I would have been really were. good on the four-woman tour.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I wasn't on, the, on that tour. And I know a few people who were years later, yep. the Hoffs and the Sullivan's and those guys. Mm-hmm. But back in that era, I, I don't really know what was going on, some of the ins and outs of what was happening. And, and the, they had TV coverage and stuff, oh, too, right? Oh, they were yeah. part of, of Hot Summer Nights on ESPN. That's it was right. a big property. That's right. Yeah, that was that was a big deal in the summertime. ESPN loved that thing. So yeah. We'll uh we'll get Gabby on here. We'll talk to her. It'll be fun. In the meantime, let's talk to somebody else. Okay. A volleyball player. Let's talk to uh to Deb Static. Oh, is she uh we have no brand she's gonna carry it herself today? Uh, you know, uh, I might fire Rosenthal. <laughs> what? <laughs> I gotta recruit on campus. Like, you, what do you, do you get to be at the foot of the recruit the entire time? I don't understand how it works. For the last three years, maybe four, can't even remember anymore because it's been so long, the ABCA has been behind the College Volleyball Weekly. A recap of what happened in the world of college volleyball, and I look forward to what will happen in the world of college volleyball so you know what to watch, and it's increasingly easy. To watch things in the world of college volleyball. Bringing our weekly correspondent, Deb Static, for the Badger region. We don't need some Badgers, hey, we need some Deb today. <laughs> what is happening, Deb?
1: Not much. How are you guys doing?
3: We're good. Hey, I want to go back to a couple of weeks ago, and a couple of these, you know, these were your picks with Rosenthal. And it's worth <laughs> pointing out that you're 12-6 and, and Rosenthal's 9 and. Uh, you took Mizzou. I believe Mizzou won that match against Florida in three in dominating fashion. We had Nebraska at Minnesota. Who won that one? Do you remember at this point? Or are you like me? Like it's just a haze of volleyball.
1: Yeah, it's all turning into a haze. I can look it up quick though.
3: All right. And we had uh, Long Beach Long Beach, and CSUN. I believe Seasun was the victor in that one over Long Beach from what I heard. And Oregon, UCLA, I want to say UCLA, but I really ought to know that one. Who knows? Whatever. Uh, But anyway, we'll go back and recap those in just a couple of minutes. Uh, This past week, uh, a little craziness happening if you were a fan of USC. Uh, No surprise that, that they would have had trouble against Washington. That match could have gone unquestionably. Uh, it was 3-1 for Washington, but then when it came time to play Washington State, that's maybe the more surprising result, a 3-2 victory for Washington State. What is up with SC?
1: Right, and I think something that we've seen from them this season as a little bit of a trend is that they are a team that is rattleable. I think I just made up a word there. Rattleable, nice. um, you know,
2: right. <laughs> rattleable,
1: yeah. You know, you see some teams that get into pressure situations and they just seem to always come out on top and they always can handle it when things aren't quite going their way. I feel like even in some of the matches that USC has won, they haven't always handled pressure very well. So when they get into this situation against Washington State, the first two sets they're playing great, they're siding out really well, and then all of a sudden things aren't clicking as well. Their service fee breaks down a little bit, and their side sideout percentage just gets completely shot. I mean, they sided out. I think it was in the 47% or something like that for their very last set, and you just don't see them shaking out of those rattleable moments. So I think you know that's kind of what happened in that Washington State match is they're coming in off of that Washington game, sort of gave them a contest, but not much. They're probably thinking in their heads that they need to just go out and kind of redeem themselves and put on a good show, and then it just doesn't happen, and they just kind of collapse in on themselves. And I think that's what we saw happen in that, in that Washington State match. Did I lose
3: you guys? Oh, no, we're still here.
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah.
3: There we go. <laughs> she put us on mute. Yeah, yeah. Don't put us on hold. We've had bad things happen. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll
1: but i But I,
3: I did notice that Alexis Olgart was kind of shut down by Washington. The outside hitter stats were still pretty good, but that middle attack has been there. Olgart's been having a really good season for SC, and all of a sudden that got taken away, and Washington proved that they were at least the equal of SC when it came to the outside hitting.
1: Right, for sure. And, you know, that middle, it's, so dependent on strong passing and consistent passing if you want to run that middle. You know, if you're, if you're only going to them on perfect passes, then other teams can kind of expect that, and then they'll pay more attention. So I think that a lot of that could come down to passing as much as the attack decisions by Olgaard. You know, if you're trying to force it, it's not necessarily getting that middle hitter the best looks, and then that does make your outside's job a little bit harder. It's just harder to score across the board and run what you've been successful running all season.
3: All right, let's move on to a team that simply continues to win. Uh, it, it's amazing. They're doing it all season long, talking about Mizzou and Missouri. They are still undefeated. They went through Florida 3-0, been through South Carolina 3-0. Uh, this, is, this is a team at 31-0. and Will they be perfect?
1: Right, and, you know, they just don't lose. It's so much fun watching them play because there is just a confidence on the court, and the swagger, if you will, they just they serve well, they side out well. I think that might be one of their biggest strengths is that teams cannot run off points against them. And that's a really, really tough, tough thing to play against. If you never feel like you can string together a run when you're playing an opponent, it gets in your head and it eats at you. And I think Missouri definitely uses their strong side out play to their advantage. But, you know, I, I was just looking at the top five. I think sometimes you get the updated list mine doesn't seem to refresh quite as quickly but i will almost make an argument did yours already refresh the new top five
3: yeah it just jumped in my inbox just off the presses there at the avca mizzou up to number four
1: yep perfect i was going to say i i think that they deserve to i was even going to say almost in the top three um i the rankings are just so so relative You know, Texas is winning everything, and yeah, they're really, really good, but they haven't really played anybody that's given them a run for their money in the past couple of weeks, whereas we have Missouri here who has beaten a top-five team, Florida, twice, and most recently they went to their house and swept them. So I know that at this point in the season, you know, it's kind of like when you get to the end of the semester in school and you feel like every single quiz that you take stops actually affecting your overall grade, whereas it might have put you way at the top, early on in the season. You know, if Mizzou had been playing these harder teams earlier and knocking them out like they have been lately, I wonder if we wouldn't see them as a staple in that top three. But four, that's a nice jump for them.
3: Yeah, I wonder if they go undefeated, if they shouldn't be ranked number one. Uh, They would at that point be undefeated with some solid victories against good competition. Colorado State also still undefeated. Congratulations to the Rams, 25-0. and They're right. at number 10. They maintain that position. But Texas, mm-hmm. number one, Penn State, number two. Both those teams have two losses. Washington has but one loss. They are in third. Mizzou, undefeated. They're in fourth. Then it's Stanford, Nebraska, Florida. USC drops all the way to eighth from that fourth spot. San Diego and Colorado State. So basically... USC and Mizzou almost swap spots. That's mm-hmm. uh, virtually what happened in there. And then you have Minnesota, Hawaii, Duke, North Carolina, Wisconsin. Wisconsin at number 15 with a record of 20-8. Mm-hmm. and eight. And then the only, the only team dropping out was Cal State Northridge. They've dropped out from number 21, fallen out to now number 26. So they're just outside the top 25. Arizona. Uh, looking in from the outside, as they're trying to get in. About, eh, I would put them at about 30 or so without counting the, the numbers down there. And I'm, I'm looking for a couple other teams here. Michigan State stabilized a little bit. They're at 17. So uh, things really starting to take shape for the tournament here. Uh, one question that we've gotten into on air the last couple of times is the discussion of RPI, in particular to a team like UCLA, where if the playoffs started today, do you think UCLA would be in? They're currently sitting you know, 10th in Pac-12.
1: Right. You know, I would like to say yes. I know that we have that conversation about, the, you know, the littler conferences not controlling who they play, and the same thing for the big conferences. And that holds true. But at the same time, they are one of the best teams in the nation, even if their Pac-12 record doesn't reflect it. You have these two conferences, and I'm thinking about even – uh, Northwestern, for example, in the Big Ten. You know, they're sitting at 8-8. Eight and eight. They have a decent, not great RPI. Um, UCLA has the better RPI in that situation. But in these powerhouse conferences, you know, you want to think that the tournament is the top teams in the nation. And I think that it means that some of those teams with the high RPI, not necessarily the best conference record, you know, they should be making it. I think that would make for the most competitive tournament.
3: Okay, I'm looking for UCLA here in the RPI. They're at number 43.
1: 43, yep. They
3: actually sit one spot above Arizona State. Now, historically, we've taken somewhere about 44, have gotten into the tournament, and this happens a combination of ways, either with at-larges or with automatic qualifiers out of the season. Lots of these teams who are high in the RPI will win their conferences or get automatic bids out of their conferences, uh, UCLA at 43. My question becomes with a team like UCLA, they sit 10th. They're behind Arizona State and behind Utah in the conference rankings and Colorado. They would have to leapfrog at least one of those teams, and that's assuming that even nine got in, which Dave Rubio at Arizona has told me he thinks nine teams from the Pac-12 are going to get in this year. I told him if nine get in, I'll buy him a beer and maybe a couple at, uh, at convention. Because I don't think nine are getting in. Seven got in last year. Eight is not a stretch to me, but nine seems like a stretch. But UCLA would have leapfrog someone in their own conference who has a better conference record in order to get in. Could that happen? Right.
1: If it happens,
3: would it really be fair to a Utah or an Arizona state?
1: Right. And, you know, I don't mm, – that's a good point because you'd hate to – you know, Colorado you just mentioned. They're obviously – they're at, sitting at a – oh, I don't see their RPI –
3: Yeah, they're 7-9, and and they're somewhere around, I want to say, 20 or... No, 39. They're at 39 right now.
1: Yeah. I see they're they're 33, Pablo. I mean, 9 does seem a little bit crazy. You'd think that for sure they would take 8, especially when you're just looking at that strength of schedule in that conference. You know, you have teams who are playing in the Pac-12 at the UCLA, and they're opting for crazy, tough pre-conference schedules. Um, I don't know. How much does that factor in i guess i don't know enough about the rpi but i'm looking at arizona states pre pre pre-conference schedule right now you know they have some good teams on there they play
3: they beat texas
1: beat illinois they beat texas right um stanford they have on there i I just yeah i guess the flogging thing does get a little bit tricky i hope they take nine for the sake of those teams
3: All right. It's going to be an interesting watch, no doubt. Uh, Stanford took care Mm -hmm. of business this past week. They defeated Oregon 3-1 and Oregon State 3-0. Good job by the Cardinal. Florida has that loss to Mizzou, but otherwise defeated South Carolina and Alabama easily. Washington, Mm -hmm. big wins. Really taking care of business. UCLA, despite our discussions about them now, they still are a very dangerous team. And then that big win over Southern Cal. So Penn State, they continue to be excellent, and we've, on this show, kind of given Penn State some grief for their, their matchups and so on that have happened in the last few years and will probably undoubtedly happen again because of the rules. But, again, it's worth mentioning, Penn State gets credit in my book for pummeling people. They're not just beating people. They're beating the bejesus out of everyone they play, and they beat Wisconsin 3-0 and Minnesota 3-0 this past week. But even when they're, when they're facing the weaker teams, they are really stomping them. Texas put another whip in on Texas Tech, who I don't know if they were any healthier this time, but last time I saw that match, Texas Tech was not terribly healthy, and Texas took care of it, so they stay at number one. Deb, give us uh, something to look forward to for this next week uh, as far as matches go.
1: Yeah, well, we have yeah. Cal State Northridge, who just dropped out of the out of the rankings. They are playing Hawaii at Hawaii this Saturday they beat Hawaii last time around, and that's kind of what propelled their rise to the top 25. Um, And Hawaii kind of had a rough weekend that whole entire weekend. You know, they've had two road losses, but they've bounced back since, and they won some home matches, but they also won on the road, and now they're traveling back home. Not traveling, sorry. Staying at home after they've had a kind of bye weekend. So I think that it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to kind of solidify... Hawaii, I think they're a team that is sort of getting hot again towards the end of this season. Van Zant has always been playing well for them. She's kind of consistent, but I think they have some other pieces who are starting to kind of reconnect and that team has regelled. and I think they're one we're going to have to keep our eye on. Talking oh, yeah, Hawaii. Cal State. yeah, talking about Hawaii.
3: Okay, you said Van Zant, I think you meant Hartong
1: for Oh, Hawaii. yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Confusing. You know we talked about that haze earlier. Apparently, it's applying to players, too. Oh, yeah, um, the
3: following days will definitely happen. All right, I'm so CSUN-Hawaii, that's a Big West matchup.
1: Yeah, and I think Hawaii's going to take that one. I think they're going to have a point to prove, and I think they're kind of clicking at the right time.
3: Very good, very good. All right, give us one more that we should be watching.
1: All right. I'm um, going to do a little Duke-Florida. That one's on Sunday. Duke is sitting, I think, they 15-1 in the ACC right now. Their only loss was to NC State, and that was a while ago. They're another one of those teams that seems to have hit their stride and just kind of become a consistent force. Um, And they beat FSU in five sets earlier this season, but they're traveling to their home court this time around. So I think that'll be a a fun one to watch.
3: All right, who do you have in that one?
1: Um, I'm going to go with Duke again.
3: All right, so Duke takes it over Florida State. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of teams that are hot. Do you have some other teams that are hot in the Pac-12? I would go with Cal. I think Cal is a team that has increasingly played better over the last couple of weeks, and they seem to me to be peaking at the right moment. That five set, or pardon me, not five set, but the two comebacks against uh, UCLA were important. I guess that was a but two comebacks against UCLA a while back were important, and then also their comebacks against Utah at Utah.
1: Yeah. Um, I think they're a team that's playing really well right now. I think Kansas is a team that's kind of gotten hot lately. They've kind of been consistent all year, but they just continue to do things that I think are pretty impressive. Um, You know, they're they're top three in the Big 12. They actually, Iowa State and Kansas, are playing on Wednesday, and I think that's going to be a big match for Kansas. Um, You know, Big 12 doesn't take as many teams to the tournament as some of these other powerhouse conferences, but I think Kansas is one of those teams that if they make it in, um, you know, they're not necessarily going to get a ranking. But I think that they could cause some problems for some of the the teams that they might face. So I think they're one of those sleeper teams that could cause people some nightmares. And then even thinking about some of these established strong programs, I think Penn State, like you said before, they are just pummeling people right now. They have that pretty easy pre-conference schedule where they work a lot of people into their lineup, and I just feel like they're coming into this chunk of the season healthy, and I feel like they're just making some making some plays and figuring some things out that's just kind of set them apart as not just being good, but they're just crazy right now. So I think they are obviously number one but or number two or whatever they are, but going into this last part of the season really hot and clicking.
3: Yeah, Penn State definitely on a roll. Okay, how about some of the scariest places to play come tournament time? Who's going to host? Who's going to end up at a place that may match their record or or they're really going to struggle with?
1: Right. And looking at the the schools that are hosting, not the first and second rounds, you know, those don't get decided yet. So I think – You know, depending on what teams earn those, are obviously going to cause trouble. Depending on how hard, far you're having to travel, what teams you're having to face. Some of the schools who are kind of working their way up to being tournament eligible, and I'm thinking specifically, of course, about Illinois right now. Um, But they're hosting the second or the regional semis and finals. And I was looking at you know, volley talk, which is always a bad idea. Um, Yeah. Even Penn State coach, it's it's a really bad idea. But people are talking about how they're the best student section and one of the toughest environments to play in the nation. And I was there this past weekend. I've played in quite a few different places around the country, you know, in the tournaments, your first and second rounds. And I have not really seen that type of student support where I actually think it messes with the match outcome in a while. So I think that they're one of those places that if they do make the tournament and make it to that round, I think that it could kind of cause some people some headaches. On the flip side of that, you got Nebraska also hosting the regional semi, and I think that one's going to be a pretty hostile environment. You know, they just have such a knowledgeable, might be the best word for it, but very dedicated fans who just live and breathe Husker volleyball. And I think that playing in front of their home crowd, Nebraska is just so solid for that round and they play there. I think that could be another one that could kind of mess with the outcomes a little bit.
3: Okay, how about players of the year? We mentioned Emily Hartong earlier. Is she still in the running for that at Krista Van Sant, I think of? Uh, who who else is on your list here?
1: Yeah, those two we had mentioned early on. Um, someone who's just impressed me all season, and I could not remember if we brought her up, was Kelsey Robinson from Nebraska. She has just kind of carried that young team this season with a lot of consistency for her play. You know, she's not your big, huge, tall Eckerman, necessarily but she has been impressive to me and depending on what type of a run in the tournament nebraska makes i think she can make a case for a player of the year and then i was just kind of curious i should know the answer to this but how often is it a non-outside that gets player of the year do you have any idea
3: oh like a middle or a libero or a setter or something yeah. like that I yeah do not another know. position that's kind of like
1: the Heisman
3: offensive players.
1: Right, right. And I'm thinking, you know, this year we have some middles. You know, Wapat or Wopat. How do you say her name?
3: Carly Wopat.
1: Yeah, Carly Wopat. Um, I think you could make a case for her this year. I think she's just a solid player. And then Katie Slay at Penn State are two of the kind of non-outside offensive players um, I think I think could be added to that list at this point in the season as well.
3: Yeah, Wopat's well, an interesting one. I get a chance to see her play here in the Pac-12, and, and what she brings to that team emotionally, the stability that she mm-hmm. brings is, is vitally important, not just the stats. Forget the fact that, oh, yeah, she's, I think, the leading blocker as well as the leading percentage or, or close all the time in right. the Pac-12 and, and close nationally, yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting thing. We should look that up for next week about how many times a non-opposite outside has taken home the player of the year honors. You'd probably find some setters in there, but I wonder when the last time you would right. find a middle in that position. Right,
1: and I, I'm i sure it's just because so much of that depends on other players on the court. You know, there's great middles who don't necessarily get that kind of thing, but with Stanford's defense and kind of a combination of great stuff they have going on this year, I think Wolpack could be, could be a, we'll see, time will tell. Yeah, We've
3: got, we got somebody chiming in here, Nittany Lion, on the chat board saying Carly Lloyd, and that's correct, three years ago, I think it was, Carly Lloyd was a setter, and she took home player oh. of the year honors. So yep. that's at least one. Yep. Uh, and I can think right. of on the men's side, I can think of several setters who have had player of the year honors. But what about a middle? Give me a middle.
1: Right. Right. It's kind of the unsung. I was just reading that Volleyball Magazine article about the change in roles of the middles over the years and how they're no longer the most dominant player on the court. But I think we have two this year who kind of turned that argument in slaying Wolfpat.
3: Yeah, they're bucking that trend for sure. All right. <laughs> Cool, Deb, thanks very much for all the info. We'll look forward to watching those matches as well as talking to you next week. We'll try and get your partner back, too. Uh, he had a recruit awesome. on campus sounds today, good. apparently. <laughs> he had a dote on her, and so he better get that recruit for in our program. Yeah, sounds good. All right, I'll talk
1: right. to you guys next
3: week. Deb Static checking in from the Badger region. Thanks very much. You can uh, you can check out Deb Static's blog, too, on avca, uh, dot, uh, is it org? I don't know what avca is. avca.com. Let's see here. avca.org. And you can get Deb's report each week. She does a great job going in-depth with some of the matches from all around the United States. I just assumed Brandon was on the show because he's been getting dominated by Deb. He has been getting slaughtered. i got to go back and look these scores up. This is how my, my weekend ends with a plane flight, usually home about 11 o'clock last night. Yeah. Uh, only so much I can prep here. But, yeah, Mizzou, he lost that one. He actually won the CSUN one, so it's it's one and one there. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. All right, we're going to be right back here on The Net Live in just a second. We still have reports. I'm gonna play you some reports, some fun correspondent. That's reports. great. Ed, great. Edited down and they're still good. Yeah, no, I didn't edit a lot. I just there are certain things that you know. You know when you're delirious and tired and you say things like you know what, that probably shouldn't be out in the public. Yeah, but that usually, so gets, that usually gets put in the open of the show. I know, but I'm wise. Well, that's because you. You're, I, I will anything you say foolishly, I will throw it out there. All right. Well, we will save others and sacrifice ourselves <laughs> for the betterment of the sport in this show. We'll be right back on the net live. Thank uh-huh.
2: crystallized and you've got the faith that I could bring paradise
0: And this one
2: they don't think I'm pushing you away When you're the one
3: Lobbing them in today. It's like slow pitch softball. You're three for three so far today. The XX. Those you counting it on. Up. Hey, update on the standings here. Uh, Brandon Rosenthal and Deb Static. Deb Static with a 15 and 7 record. She went three and one two weeks ago. Rosenthal went a surprising one and three. He is now 10 and 12. He is no longer playoff eligible. I was going to say, can he? He can't catch back up now, can he? If Deb went 0 for, for the rest of the season. Uh, he can't. I don't think he can catch her. But he he could be in the playoffs. He's not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs gotcha. from, being, from being in a large bid. Gotcha. Right now he can't even be that because he's sub five hundred. <laughs> Good thing you skipped the show, Rose. Jeez. Yeah. So now his his record still stays the same. He can't get worse. Well, yeah. We'll make him pick these two games that Deb gave us. We'll have a two pick. We'll uh, CSUN Hawaii and Duke Florida State. We'll see how he does on that. He of course gets well. He just gets second pick, so he he gets CSUN again, and then he gets uh then he gets Duke. Yep, he's out. Yeah, or he gets Florida State, I guess. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Let's get to our uh, our correspondent here. I'm anxious to hear this because I've not heard this piece either. Yeah, this, yes, my first this time. uh we reached out to Brittany Ochaver, Hochevar. Ochaver. 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 I like just throwing it off every single time. You're screwing me up because awesome. I've had problems with it nine for nine. years. Um. We reached out to her, asked her if she would do some correspondence stuff for us while they were in the last Grand Slam in China, and uh, let's just be honest, everybody's a little delirious at the end of the year. It was after the tournament. She's flying back, um, and she's traveling with Jay Gibb and Casey Patterson. And here is the uh, <laughs> and uh, here's the results. Yes, from, of Sid yes,
0: Travel. Yes.
3: All right, so, Brittany Hochaver, first ever
4: TNL mobile correspondent. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Brittany Hochaver um, coming to you from Taipei, uh, en route from the last Grand Slam of the season on our way back to L.A. to start the off season. I'm with Casey Patterson and Jake Gibb, and Casey is actually online looking at cars as he just got the green light from the wifey to to a new car this off-season, and um, our brains are mush. They're as soft as the dumplings in the VIP lounge right now, and we're really excited to attack the off-season, and the season was long. So this is what we're going to do. we got Jake Gibb. He's going to ask me a bunch of questions, and and we're going to trust that you guys are going to cut and paste this as as we go. But uh, they first wanted to let you know that... DJ e. Rouchet never played do it, for the do it For The Ratchets all year long. So, we're going to start with that, but now I'm going to hand it over to Jake Gibb. Just a side note, I don't know how much I trust this.
0: What do I do? Is Just it going? start
4: talking, it's going. He's okay. going to edit it later. Okay.
0: I'm here with Brittany Hochaver. <laughs> I'm excited about this interview. How are you feeling?
4: I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm excited to go home.
0: Um... If you wouldn't mind, would you look me in the eye the whole time we do the interview? <laughs> perfect. Okay. Would you be fair to say your exact equal in every way is, is uh, Alexander Samualos from Latvia?
4: The flying lion.
0: Oh, my gosh. You guys are perfect for each other. I hope somehow this airs in Latvia and one thing can lead to another. Okay. We're going to rapid fire. As quickly as I can think of questions. (laughs) Fully committed. Who's your best friend?
4: Elisha Thomas.
0: Ooh, I don't know who she is, but she sounds wonderful.
4: (laughs) Half black, half white, full crazy.
0: (laughs) Okay. What's the best single match win of your career? Single match. Favorite win?
4: Uh, uh, The latest one, I think, would be Carrie in April.
0: Yeah, that was a a good win. It was a good win. Nice. Good volleyball. What's your dream car?
4: Dream cart right now is an El Camino. Dream car would probably want to be one of those boxy Mercedes. I don't even know what they're called, Casey. G wagon? Maybe the G wagon? Oh yeah.
0: What are your go-to's when you're when you're traveling, as far as uh, preparing for matches?
4: Preparing for matches? Yeah. Uh, how, how do you how do you prepare for a bar fight? I I don't know how you prepare for a match.
0: I mean. It's different
4: every day. Some days it's windy, some days it's cold, some days it's hot. Um, I like my eggs in the morning. I like to be hydrated. Um, hair's got to feel just right.
0: My, your hair, hair my, is, your my, my hair is suit, flowing right now. My
4: suit options have to be a premium.
0: Um uh, what do you girls wear around that uh, the apartment when you're just just hanging out? You guys give the uh, mm-hmm. do you guys put on put on your uh, USA attire and just kind of hang out and just kind of talk about great wins. <laughs> That's what me and Casey do. <laughs> we wear I our think, uniforms all day. I think, We're boardies and talk about our sick <laughs> wins.
3: <laughs> really? I like how uh, the very first so good the very first thing that has to happen in this interview is an edit mark. Yeah, you heard when that When right. J. Gibb gets on, there's immediately, yeah, immediately a clip. <laughs> <laughs> I like that she mentions Elijah Thomas because half black, half white, full crazy. Yeah, this is a girl who, if you approach a match like a bar fight, yeah, she's been into a bar fight. She's the one you want to take with you. You want to take Elijah with you. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Funny stuff. All right, so. Yeah, wh- that's something uh, we're going to do more. We're going to have some players take things into their own hands and uh, while they're traveling, do some, uh, some audio and send it back to us, and we're going to play it get people to uh, get to know these players a little bit more. And maybe we can get, make a love connection happen with uh, Latvia with, for Brittany. We're doing all kinds of things. We're the Flying with Brittany Lion. Brittany and with Nicole Davis. I mean, all kinds of things are happening on this show. The Flying Lion. TNL dating service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. All right. So you get some window into the insanity that ensues when you're way too tired, been traveling far too long, and the dumplings are soft. And you're about, you have another, like, 15-hour flight to go. Oh. Yeah. oh, yeah, I remember. It's just as brutal as my schedule is now, it's not near what the international volleyball travel schedule is. It's not uh, those trips where you're doing a 32-hour trip to somewhere, and then you show up and your hotel room's not ready, or yeah. there's no food or whatever else. Or the food that there is is not really food. That's uh, it's a problem. And I have eclectic tastes. I'll eat most anything, but there have been times... Where we have shown up, and it is not pretty. It is not edible. All you want to do is eat. If the Polish team walks out of the Polish hotel because of the food... There's an issue. There's a problem. Okay. No matter what Rod Wilde says. Oh, yeah, borscht, gelatin, for sure. Uh, Barf. I, I can't even... No. It was just, like... Just no. It was like cabbage... In gelatin, clear gelatin, just a block of it, and then, <laughs> then blood red soup that had basically no flavor, like literally blood. Like a, cabbage and Jello should not go together. No, it's let's just, just be honest. Gelatin. About it. Oh, Jello would have like flavor. At least that would be like something your grandma brought to Thanksgiving and you didn't want to eat. No, this was just gelatin, <laughs> tasteless gelatin. Ugh. Ugh. Rod Wilde sits down, digs right in. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude. No. The Polish team left. Look, they they got served the food. They left. And they live here. Can we go to a restaurant? Oh, well, it was like in Thailand, twenty five players got food poisoning.
2: Oh my gosh. Twenty
3: five. It's ugly. We have more audio from these people. Uh, from Brittany. She uh post well, postseason wrap? Yeah. Not only did she send that, but then she, I think she felt like I need to send you something else too. <laughs> Let's listen to Brittany's postseason wrap up. Oh, God,
4: we're getting, we're getting a window
3: right. into uh, Ho Chaver. Yeah. today we've had her on the program. Yeah, we'll have her again. Okay.
4: Hi, everybody. Brittany Ho Chaver here, reporting from off season. Twenty tournaments, twenty cities, and eleven countries was enough to where I didn't even know what language I was speaking. Um, I'm in Hermosa. And I'm off to Colorado soon for my grandmother's 88th birthday. Um, then I'm going to hit up Knox Vegas to be with the Hochever family. Um, that's where I do the majority of my training. I do have some time in Brooklyn uh, coming up for the Charity Water event, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, some of my goals this off-season is to get healthy and get stronger and get faster I'd like to speak better by picking a language and sticking with it rather than speaking a lot every, a little bit of everything and a lot of nothing. Uh, and I would like to play more than one song in my harmonica. So that's where I'm at this offseason. And just wanted to say keep up with me on my website, BrittanyHoChaver.us, or uh, check me out on my fan page on Facebook. I also do Twitter and and Instagram, but all that social media stuff, uh, life happens so fast, and we try to blast it when it comes at us. So um, all my best, love and light, and looking forward to the season in 2014. Ciao.
3: Love and light? Yep. Wow. It's a little uh, Game of Thrones-ish, maybe. Could be. Winter's coming. (laughs) <laughs> I can't wait for that to come back. Uh, Knox Vegas? Is she talking about Knoxville, Tennessee? Knoxville, Tennessee, yep. I think we're going to have an issue here. Why? According to Rosenthal, it's Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas. Hmm. That's Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Wow, we have a really inner Tennessee problem. I also like her quote from earlier. This, this tells you how, how much volleyball has permeated her personality. She's ready to attack the off season. Yep. Are you going to spike anything? She's going to take a giant spear and stab it. <laughs> I'm going to attack the off season, and then I will pass the tests. After which, I will spike my opponents. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> thanks to Brittany for putting together that audio, and thanks to Jake Gibb for being on board as well as Casey. Are that a boy? Wonder what that it is. We need to. Guy can they both in. have automatic sliding doors. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, congratulations to uh, Casey and Jake on a great season, and uh, enjoy the off season. We we'll look forward to uh, a year next year. Uh, they might—they're they, up for team of the year. They're up for a nettie for sure. For sure. Oh, um, yeah. by the way, uh, congratulations to Brittany and Lauren. They were uh, the number one ranked team on the AVP to end of the season. Nice. Are the number one ranked team overall for the whole season? I don't know how you word that. Nice, like that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, we're the number one ranked podcast, volleyball podcast in all the world. Obviously. Yeah, domestically for sure. <laughs> we're dominating the domestic tour. Although apparently, if we if this makes it to Latvia, we could make a love connection. If you're listening, Smilovs. Smilovs. Brittany's down. Temptress of Love and Light. The temptress. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna sneak in some of the other audio, like indoor opening and stuff like that, just to not to say anything, just throw it in there and just see what happens. How would you describe never mind. Yeah. All right, we want to thank Eric Fonomawana for coming on the program, Dev Static as always for being a contributor to the ABCA for being behind this show. We will be, I believe, this is uh, mostly confirmed outside of Eric Air- we will be appearing. At convention this year, Seattle. We'll see if the AVCA shuts us down or not. We'll be staying at my cousin's house across the bay there. And uh, with a nice view of the city, we'll be coming out to Key Arena for the matches. We'll be going down to the convention center for the event. And you can come by the NetLive booth. You know what I did yesterday? Yeah. In anticipation of this and uh, some other winter trips I have in the next few weeks, I had to go buy some winter clothes. It was 50 and raining yesterday at the Seahawks game, so that gives you an idea of where things are at in Seattle. Well, if you were in Chicago, Oof. who had almost a two-hour delay, which rarely happens in football, by the way. Yeah. they had an, It was an absolute monsoon. Yeah, it's a little scary in Chicago yesterday, and, uh, and obviously our, our thoughts are with the folks in the Midwest. and so Again, have been devastated by tornadoes. Usually this time of year it's over with. Not always, and this is one of those years where it, it wasn't quite done. So a lot of folks... Uh, Losing their homes, losing everything in, in a bad place down in southern Illinois. But uh, hopefully they'll recover and, and things will get back to, back and going. Thanks for being here on the show. We will have a show for you next week. Yep. Monday. Yep. Yeah. back on. We're back on it. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. <laughs> Go to the Facebook page. Check that out. That's, that's some Conan O'Brien stuff. That's funny. That's just funny. And if you throw a drink back at someone, make it a Smoothie King. And uh, videotape it and send it to us. Absolutely. we It will get all kinds of play. If you fire in the hole, at a smoothie. Anyone doing that. Although we're not recommending anyone violate any laws or hurt anyone. We would anyone. never suggest you should do this, but if you do happen to... Send us the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. The Net Live is over for another week, but your week is not over. Go forth. Play. Enjoy. Love. Live life. From... Uh, We'll wish you love and light. We'll wish you love and light. Yep, like Brittany. Yep. See you later, folks.
1: The best college volleyball in the country is coming to Seattle, and you'll want to be there up close to take in all the action. It is definitely all the best way to see it is to experience it live at the 2013 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 19th and 21st at Key Arena in Seattle, hosted by the University of Washington and the Seattle Sports Commission. Prices now available. Go online at NCAA.com slash volleyball and reserve your seats today.